You're listening to Generations Podcasting. I'm your host, Jeremy Neff, and if you've ever wondered how the KGB might blackmail state secrets out of an American, or what parties were like in the USSR, or what it's like to be a lesbian behind the Iron Curtain, then we have a treat for you. Harvey Friedman regales us with the story of a client from back in 1982. Stay tuned. Where does it start? Well, actually, I think it starts in Paris uh, on the train to uh, train to Moscow. The, when was the, this? What year? This is uh, about 1982 or so, when the Soviet Union was tough and strong. And, uh, this uh, woman. Uh, and her husband uh, were boarded the train to go to Moscow. She's an American, her husband's an American, and um, she went along, was going to Moscow to work in some very the top secret SCI access kind of um, work at our embassy in Moscow. What was her name? Well, I can't tell you her name. <laughs> All right, well, let's give her a name. <laughs> can't then. tell you her name. Her name <laughs> okay. is Lydia. Bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Her name is Lydia, and um, they're, they're on their way to Moscow on this train, and typical of the Soviet Union in those days, or that part of Eastern Europe, the train breaks down in, this, in, this, in a huge snowstorm, and they're stuck in this train for three days, she and her husband. They have a compartment of their own, and by happenstance, about three cabins or compartments down is another couple. And uh, this other couple, the woman is uh, Russian, uh, Soviet citizen. And the uh, husband is a British businessman. So, but the, they, the two couples met, and they, uh, out of boredom, got friendly. And believe it or not, this is incredible. But the uh, the uh, British guy had a monopoly. And so, when you have a monopoly set and you're stuck in the snow for three days on a train somewhere outside of Warsaw, uh, you stop playing Monopoly. A lot of it. A lot of it. And the two couples got very friendly on this train, as you would 
in the, you know, like three days in a train compartment. <laughs> yeah, Monopoly well, it brings people together. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, yeah. I've never had that experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, you weren't on a train stuck in the snow near Warsaw either. It, right. You know, headed yeah, to it's the a Soviet little bit more Union. magical. <laughs> right, right, right. So, and 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 uh, that's it. That's about it. So she's doing her job at the American Embassy. She gets a a, a call from the Russian lady who has an apartment in Moscow. And the, the Russian invites her over for tea. Typical, you know. Uh, and she goes over to visit her, and incredibly, the Russian makes a pass at her, as in lesbian. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> oh, the L word. That kind of pass. <laughs> the L word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my client, it seems, had these proclivities before she started on this trip, even though she's married. We know that's a common Mm. kind of thing. Um, So uh, they uh, had a love affair, let's put it that way. Uh, Unfortunately, the love affair was filmed by the KGB (laughs) to a mirror a mirror that was on uh, oh Natasha. Natasha was the Russian woman's name. Oh yeah, her I wall. Meaning to ask about yes, that. Yeah, so there's a, this mirror there, and the KGB was, I guess, was behind the mirror. You have to understand, of course, the Soviets were taking these videos to use for some purpose. And the purpose was the dreaded purpose we Americans always have that homosexuality is going to be used for blackmail. And uh, probably that's what they intended because the Russians have the same thought. <laughs> you know, it's good, right. good deal if someone's in the closet, which I don't even think they had that word then. Right, because everyone I just was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. There was one huge closet, right? Yeah, we didn't, we didn't even need to call it anything. <laughs> right, right. No door, no, no, no. <laughs> So, um, now they're kind of lovers. Um, my client, of course, is, has to leave the American embassy to meet uh, Natasha. And uh, this is not easy because you're not allowed to go out. And you don't go out shopping in the street there when you're in the Soviet Union. But somehow she got there. And she got invited to parties. My client did. Mm-hmm. And these parties were at what we know now called Dachas. And they were fabulous parties. And in the Soviet Union, fabulous parties really didn't happen. 
Soviet Union and fabulous aren't really words that I <laughs> yeah, yeah, they with don't, each they other. Don't, they don't go together. Right. Yeah, you call it the Iron Curtain, not the Silk <laughs> Curtain, oh, right. or anything else like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who who coined that? By the way, I have no idea. Do you? Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill. Yeah, yeah he, he coined the term. Yeah. So uh, she went to these parties, and really. Nothing happened. There was no one hit on her for information, ever. Mm. And she never divulged any information. And that's the truth of it. But of course, when... uh, And at these parties, I should say, she never learned the names of anyone who was there. But she could describe them later by their characteristics. For instance, there was a woman there who always wore a large hat, so she called her the Hatter. Mm. And there was a man who wore a lot of jewelry, and he was the jeweler. Because she wasn't told their names. Mm -hmm. And there was just food and merriment but no one exchanged names or phone numbers or they they weren't inviting her this was no Um, modern networking event not a meet and greet no not a meet and greet fabulous but not too bad right right so that's kind of where we leave things until some guys come to visit my client, Lydia, at the embassy, and these guys confront her with what's been going on. And it's obvious, always been obvious to me, that the Americans and the Russians exchange that kind of information. It's like trading spies. We'll give you some information on your bad apple if you give us some information on yours. So they had... So these were Americans? Americans knew all about... American agents now knew... No, these weren't Americans. These were Russians. Okay, so Russians... In the, the parties... So there's Russians in the parties, but who came and confronted Lydia? Well, American agents of the department um, in in control. So some American CIA probably agents. CIA kind of guys. Right. Come to her and say, hey, you've been doing this and this with Natasha and uh, by the way do you happen to know she's a KGB agent as <laughs> is her husband Natasha you and snake <laughs> <laughs> Natasha all I mean uh, Lydia all of those people at the parties were KGB agents oh my god and this was a setup to oh. get information from you now this that's what, what our government claimed. Right. The Hatter and the Jeweler, they were all... They were all KGB agents. They were not just people at a party. They were people at a party, but they were agents to try to mm-hmm. 
get stuff out of her. Maybe so, other people were at those parties <laughs> that they were trying to work. I don't know. But uh, certainly uh, Lydia was there and loved these parties. I mean, she, she became a real party girl, I have to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lydia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I Apart mean, from sleeping with, with with Natasha, she also, you know, this is a high life. Right. Uh, Who doesn't love a party that's heavy on vodka and right. light on information? Yeah. <laughs> right. In Moscow, man. Right, right. And she's not supposed to be there, right? She's not supposed to be out of her little room. That's scandalous. Yeah. yeah, it was scandalous, actually. It was very scandalous, according to our... Uh, government and uh, they of course uh, stripped her of her job and suspended her highest clearances and all and sent her back to the United States for processing and that could have resulted in jail time and horrible things happening to her they wanted information on what she might have told Natasha about our secret endeavors going on in our embassy in the Soviet Union. And did she have information? She had tons of information. Okay. She had tons of information, yeah. She was happened to be in a position where she had access and didn't access in the sense that she needed the information to do her work not that she was going through files in a clandestine way or anything she was just meeting in a clandestine way but you know she's a poor schnook who didn't know what was happening to her right at this point they tell her and this is very unusual in security clearance world in those days, they tell her she's entitled to be represented by counsel. And who should be the counsel? (laughs) Me. (laughs) She comes to me because I'm representing all these homosexuals throughout <laughs> town, throughout the world. <laughs> yeah, all, huh? yeah. It's one big fabulous yeah, party. No one would huh? take the cases. No one would touch these cases. No one would take the cases of homosexuals who were in any way. Um, not even implicated, but had security clearance issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this uh, was a very unusual case, probably the only one I ever had where a client who was homosexual had done something wrong. Um, mm-hmm. The truth is, the, re- the, the record is, that there has not been a single reported case of a homosexual giving up classified information because of their homosexuality. That is, because they were blackmailed or because they 
uh, as the charge was, exercise poor judgment in being a homosexual. In those days, it was thought to be a choice, at least the government said it was, and therefore you inherently have poor judgment if you're a homosexual. You don't have to be. You can, you can choose. The, the question now is for the government to get information from Lydia to find out, to burrow into her mind and find out what she had told the Soviets, they were convinced she had given away our secrets, and there were secrets to be given. And in fact, by the way, Lydia while she was involved in wrongdoing and going out to this and being involved in this whole thing in the Soviet Union, where she wasn't even allowed to have Soviet friends, gave away nothing. And the proof of the pudding ended up being <clears throat> in the multiple polygraph tests that they put her through. Um, so the government in the end was satisfied that uh, Lydia hadn't given away any information. And uh, amazingly, for this high crime, you might say, uh, she got as her penalty a 10-day suspension without pay. Nothing. Wow. <laughs> Nothing because she had me as her lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and if you read some of the documents between you know, the letters between me and counsel for the government, you'll see why they would be nervous with someone like me because I didn't take any shit. And I came across as honorary and you know, would tell the world about what's going on here, and you don't want this to be public knowledge. Usually it's the other way around, where the client doesn't want anyone to know she did this. In this case, I turned it around and blackmailed the government. <laughs> and uh, we Should we leave that in or edit that out? <laughs> you can leave that in. <laughs> leave it in. <laughs> because, you know, it here you know fighting... Fighting uh, for someone like this uh, can't always be all that fair. <laughs> um, what happened afterwards? Well, the afterwards is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah there's, this, there's a couple, the two other rounds here. And one is that she gets a, a, a big reduction uh, in clearance. In fact, a stripper of her mm -hmm. clearance, and uh, and that was okay. That was part of that was, <laughs> I think, appropriate in this case. Yeah, that she shouldn't be privy to government secrets. And she's given a post in another country. Long story short, Lydia was posted to an island nation, where a few years later she was playing tennis 
and a woman on the court next to hers hit her ball over the fence. Lydia retrieved the ball, pushed it through the chain link's fence to the woman, and what do you know, they became lovers. Now Harvey did his best to try to get that woman a visa into the United States so she could live with Lydia, but at that time, homosexuals were not granted visas in order to live with their partners in the States. So that was all Harvey thought he would see of Lydia until... And that is eight years later. Eight years. Um, suddenly, Natasha sends Lydia a letter. God. Here in the Natasha United, here comes, in the United comes right States. right on back. That she would know where she is and all, huh? Right? Sends her a letter. And this time, Lydia is very, wants to be very cooperative and comes to me for the third time. You think I would get a huge fee out of this kind of thing, three times one client, you know? <laughs> but I guess after the first time she was broke so <laughs> from the fee then. So there was no huge fee. And who could not? represent someone like Just this. out of the kindness of your heart, though. Yeah. Huh? Well, you know, this is the sweetest woman. Uh-huh. She really, she was so sweet. And she was so innocent and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, they wanted, now, now they, they figured something else is up here. That suddenly you get a letter. I mean, even though Lydia went to the government through me with the letter. It was a very innocent letter, just saying hello, but you don't get letters from the KGB 10 years later. <laughs> no, no, you don't. <laughs> At least I've the, never gotten Not one, the same so. KGB agent who once was your lover and took you to parties in Soviet <laughs> Moscow. It just this doesn't happen. And the, truthfully, they had to be up to something, but what? We never found out. So poor, poor Lydia went through a third round of polygraphs. When they polygraphed her, they did so at a safe house. Why? Don't ask me why. I don't know. And I drove... Lydia in my little Volkswagen that I had at the time. And in back of us was a big black car, and in front of us was a big black car. And they were riding real close to my, both my ends of my car. And they were weaving in and out of roads. And I have no idea where we were. But we ended up at some rural house. I think it was somewhere near Baltimore. And um, they stopped there. Uh, we got out. And that was where they were going to do the polygraphing, the first round. And uh, while 
the lawyer and anyone else is not allowed into the polygraph room while it's happening. You go in just before, like the second, like the like the gas chamber to say goodbye to your client, you know. <laughs> but then you leave. Okay. Then you leave. You, you, they don't have lawyers hanging around while they're asking questions. So. I left, and the guys outside, a team of agents, are having a barbecue. <laughs> and they invited me to the barbecue. I went, you know, it's kind of like Lydia getting invited to these parties. <laughs> Except I was having hot dogs here with agents of the government, CIA types. I, I don't know if they were really CIA. Probably more like FBI. I don't know. I'm not, I do know, actually. <laughs> But I'm not saying. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I actually. Who knows? I'm being what cool. I'm being cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm being, <laughs> but I don't think I should say. End the story. Wow. True wow. story. Did you at least save her some food for the barbecue? Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't remember. Uh, don't I don't mind me. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's so long ago, I can't remember. <laughs> That's our show for the week, everybody. Thank you for listening. And if you want to check out more, you can go to Harvey's new website, iluckedout.com, to check out these podcasts and other materials from his upcoming memoir, I Lucked Out. My name is Jeremy Neff. I'm your host. Thanks for listening. And hopefully we'll see you next week on Generations Podcast. Yeah.